0: Welcome to the Born and Raised Audio
1: Experience, presented by Onyx. Uh, so basically, my name is Nate Jones. Um, I'm an engineering student primarily at the University of or, uh, Oregon State University. Excuse me. Um, I'm, my primary majors are mechanical engineering and manufacturing engineering. Um, but through kind of going to the school, I found a passion for product development and decided to add a business degree on top of that as well. Um, so what I'm coming at you from today is more of a business standpoint rather than an engineering standpoint. Sweet. Um, and so uh, basically a little bit of background on myself, um, you know, I, I'm a little bit older than your typical under undergrad college student, um, but I was kind of lucky enough to find a passion for the outdoors a little bit later in life. Um kind of at the same time, I was struggling to find my life's trajectory. Um, I was working in a, in a sales career that was pretty lucrative for myself. Um, but it, it wasn't really my passion. And I, I knew I needed to make a change. I knew I needed to do something different. Um, and so I I kind of sat down myself and, you know, kind of went through all the things that I was passionate about the things that, you know, got me up in the morning. And I realized that I I'd always had a natural curiosity. And I knew I enjoyed fixing things for people and solving or coming up with solutions that other people may not have seen for themselves. Um, And kind of at that same time, funnily enough, I was sitting in a conference for my previous career, um, listening to a keynote speaker where he was talking about how you can make your greatest impact on the world by taking your greatest compassion or your uh, biggest passion and combining it with your uh, greatest contribution. And when I when he said that, I just kind of had that aha moment. And I knew right then and there that I need to kind of combine my passion for the outdoors and my contribution of solving other people's problems. And that would allow me to make the greatest impact on the world. So I went, That's to, awesome, my significant, <laughs> went to my significant other and said, hey, guess what? I'm quitting my job. <laughs> and I kind of told her what my idea was. And she said, you know what? I don't see it but I could tell you're passionate about it. And so we'll do what we have to do. And so she's been supporting me through school and just kind of, you know, set me off on this, this passion of mine, of uh, just really getting in the outdoors and, and finding new innovative solutions to help people that may not, you know, feel comfortable going out into the back country or that it may be difficult for them or whatever sure. the case. Yeah. I just want to expand that to as many people as possible. Yeah. And, and kind of revolutionized the hunting industry and the way that people see it 100
0: percent. your story is not too awful much different than mine I mean really it really isn't as far as Mm -hmm. just trying to break through to a to a platform I guess that you can talk to other people and and actually you know kind of relevant your message right Mm -hmm. so yeah so so what do you so this is a paper that you're working on correct what it would talk to me about that
1: It's actually not a paper. So what this is, is it's kind of an introduction to entrepreneurship competition. Mm -hmm. So it is a class that's part of my major. um, But what it is, is every person that's in the class, and there's several sections. So there's hundreds and hundreds of people. um, We each have to come up with several business ideas or product ideas that we could uh, bring to market. They have to be new and novel. It can't be something that somebody's already done. Um, And we have to go out and prove that there is a market for this product, whatever that may be. So that's what I'm here doing today is seeing that if there actually is a market that this product could thrive in. Yeah. Um, Once I can validate that and verify that, um, then we present our ideas to the class. Um, Our individual classmates vote on the projects that we'd rather work on. And then the top projects get selected. They get worked on through the term. Uh, with the team of people and then at the end of the term we actually pitch it to um, a panel of judges and one project will be selected out of that and given some seed money to actually start the company that's really cool really cool or at least move more in that direction sure
0: sure <laughs> yeah that's awesome so you right. get to see the whole thing from its infancy till till finally production that's pretty awesome
1: Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of interesting. So this idea that I I came up with was actually one more when I was working on my engineering side of my degree. Um, I knew that I loved the outdoors, but I didn't really know kind of where that fell into engineering um, until I started studying thermal fluid sciences. And I realized that thermal fluid sciences are traditionally often um, used to exploit Mother Nature to get um, power out of... You know natural forces right whether that right. be putting huge concrete dams and rivers and messing up you know salmon hatcheries or um you know whatever the case may be usually right. there's some expense to mother nature mm-hmm. and i want to find a, a good way to mitigate that and be able to extract meaningful power and energy from mother nature without having a lasting impact that future generations are going to see
0: interesting yeah
1: so that's kind of where this came from and then i started taking this business class and it just sort of exploded into well there might be something here
0: (laughs) i love it i love it well uh nate how can i help you out
1: so yeah um basically how this interview is going to go is i've just got a few questions for you to kind of learn a little bit better about um you know what drives you to the outdoors. I'll have some questions about some of the equipment that you use, uh, some of the things that you wish you could have, some of your struggles, maybe some things that you're implementing that nobody else has thought of. Um, And then I'll go into a little bit more of a description of what my solution or what my vision is. And then I'll ask you for some feedback on that. Sweet. Um, When I do ask for the feedback though, I would appreciate it if it was open and honest, the best feedback that you could give me is dude, this is a horrible idea. It's not going to work. Don't waste your time. (laughs)
0: yeah i i i try to steer away from so much negativity but we're gonna i will definitely be honest how about that
1: sounds great all right so let's go ahead and get started here um so if i were to call your significant other whoever you spend the majority of your time with um how would they describe you through your hobby of being in the outdoors
0: (laughs) wow just taking it to the to the deep to the deep zone right off the bat um no. So my wife, I've been married for 19 years and, um, yeah, it's, a. Uh, she would describe it as it's always been a passion of mine to do something in the outdoors. We started born and raised, uh, about an 07, somewhere in there, we started filming our hunts and everything, and and it took a long time to actually bring that whole thing to fruition and, and um, be able to do this full time. I've only been doing it full time now for about four years now. So, so yeah, so through that, I would say my significant other would say, you know, she would, she would, she believed in me. She be, she definitely believed in the idea and believed in in me and knew that it could happen. It was just at that point, and you may see the same uh the same kind of trials and tribulations is just trying to figure out how that's going to happen right trying to figure out financially for one uh with two children uh you just don't just you have responsibilities right and that's that that's the big thing uh with me it's just like i cannot just give up everybody's idea of what life is and just go well i'm chasing a dream right so i have to weigh those things out and uh and make it make sense and uh so yeah she would she would say she would say um my passion for the outdoors is probably <laughs> probably a little over the top at times but um it's led us to where we are now
1: awesome awesome Um, so where or kind of when did you find that passion for the outdoors and like you know you kind of talk about how you've always had it but there was kind of that moment where you realized that it's what you want to do with your life and it sort of took off from there um, you mentioned it was about four years ago or so and what sort of fostered that
0: yeah so our goal was to to always make this a full-time job so I I can't really pinpoint like a certain time with a big aha moment it's just been this building I guess of moments over time but to do it and just do it in a recreational side of things and and we sold dvds for a long time and um anyway that was to pay for our hunting so this is kind of a springboard to get us to where we are now i guess was that and so we did we we sold dvds and then it was the goal of full time right and once we once we did that venture the aha moment was we came up with a project honestly a little bit kind of maybe a little bit like you're talking something that no one had no one had ever done before in the hunting industry was film every single day and post that footage every single day so people could follow us on this journey and um so we came up with this idea and pitched it to a bunch of different sponsors and um uh, the 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 big turning point as you're talking kind of was when none of those sponsors said no, every single one of them said yes. And so it was that time at that time we had to implement, okay, well, now we're doing this because we have actually the means to do it because we didn't have the finances to do it then without the sponsorship yeah. driven side of things. And so, and then it was like, well, now we have the means to do it. And that was probably the moment. And that moment, honestly, it was uh, if you want a specific moment, it was at ATA show four years ago. And uh, archery trade association is what that is, and it was back in uh, Indianapolis is where it was, and we were just we flew back there on a whim and hoping that people would just you know eat up what we were feeding them, and they did. And then, but then the work began because we had to actually actually do the the project. So, uh, so that would be the time I guess uh, when it all just kind of came to fruition right then.
1: That's actually funny. So that. Conference that I had mentioned that I was at earlier. Yeah, that was at that was in Indianapolis. Right oh, really? At the convention center <laughs> about four years ago. Isn't that nuts? <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. That's, that's cool. Um, but you're talking about the land of the free, the first land of the free that you guys went on, right?
0: Yes, correct. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and
1: that that is that really does just kind of speak volumes to novelty and and when you try and do something different, it it really does kind of gain traction. I know that's when I first heard of you guys um Mm -hmm. you know i'd always watched hunting videos on youtube and they were always super flat one-dimensional you know almost staged but not um and when i kind of ran into you guys and, and saw that more raw uncut well not uncut but more raw just you're right there you, you feel like you're one of the guys going along the trip and nobody had and that, done that before and that
0: was a huge goal of ours you know we were just like we were sick of the feeder hunts we were sick of the mm-hmm. you know it looked all fake everything looked it didn't look real like a real hunting scenario and so we wanted to break out of that
1: yeah yeah and I, i'm sure you probably hear it all the time but some of my favorite episodes were the ones where you didn't kill anything or put anything on the ground. (laughs) It is. It's not my favorite, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it probably gets you stressing, but (laughs) yeah,
0: it does. It's like, guys, we gotta, we gotta do something here for a second. Everybody's taking this advice and it's not working. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So
1: absolutely. Um, So now that, now that you you're kind of doing it full time about how many days would you say you spend in the backcountry or just hunting in general? Uh,
0: So, so nowadays it's, um, we pretty much spend just in general. Are you talking just hunting?
1: Just out in the outdoors, hunting could be fishing. Yeah.
0: So as far as days wise out of the year, I'm not, I have no idea. It wouldn't even be half, um, Yeah, it would be maybe a hundred, maybe more. So I would say I I, I would, I don't know, maybe more than that. So the first land of the free, I did 53 days straight um, in the back country ish, you know, in between States, it would take me a day sometimes to drive in between States and then, and then go hunt a new state. So I would, I hunted five States in 53 days. And um, so, yeah, it, um, you know, that question varies a little bit, but I would say somewhere around uh, over a hundred probably.
1: Okay. Um, On any given trip, what do you wish you could take, but can't and what do you have to take that you wish you didn't have to?
0: Wow. What do I wish that I could take that I can't? Well, um, something as simple as sometimes it's just a chair (laughs) you know a (laughs) chair is so nice after a full day of hiking and everything to sit up elevated off the ground because I always take a pad you know to sit on you know a a little foam super super lightweight pad so sometimes I mean that thing that that thing that you wish was there was just something as simple as that um and then what do I take
1: that I don't think that I need uh what do you take that you have to, that you wish you didn't have to?
0: Yeah, so
1: I don't take
0: it anymore, which I know I should, but like an EpiPen or something of that nature to where it just takes up weight that you're probably never gonna use, but you're gonna need it when you need it. So it would probably be something of that nature.
1: Okay. Um, once you're in the backcountry, what things could happen that could lead you to either ending your trip early, Or what's preventing you from staying in the backcountry longer, other than time?
0: Attitude. Attitude is biggest, man. Attitude is huge. I mean, it's uh, a lot of the backcountry, I would say, quote unquote, backcountry. Everybody defines backcountry. I don't know what your uh, interpretation of backcountry is either. So uh, I'm just thinking of, you know, backcountry, we talk about sometimes anywhere from that three to nine miles in or so there's something in there. Some something where you're going to spend the night rather than hike out is what I would consider backcountry. I guess.
1: That's yeah. S- taking your, your camp on your back is correct. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, man. It's attitude. It is honestly, there's been more of our trips that were defined by, and usually we travel in at least two to five people. And, It's, it's man, it's a lot of times it's that one guy that something doesn't work, you know, his getting blisters or sometimes, you know, it's just that one guy. And I'm not saying, you know, all the way on attitude, like, oh, he just quit, but, or it's some unpreparedness, right? Like not having Mm Luco tape, not wearing my boots prior to the hunt, not, you know, a lot of these things can lead up to it. But at the end of the day, I'd say, uh, it's a lot of just attitude and, and just, and just go, you know?
1: what are one or two things that could kind of keep everybody's attitude on the up and up, or what are one or two things that could, you know, kind of cut everybody's attitude down and lead you to leaving earlier?
0: The big thing, man, it's, it's huge. And it's, it's always that, uh, we have this motto. It's, it only takes one attitude, right? It only takes one. So, and we, we, tipped on it a little bit before like man that you were talking about the unsuccessful days are some of your favorite days to watch you know and for us it's uh we're not trying to we're not trying to post an unsuccessful day but uh we're out there and and, and so I, I would say you know it's those days that man you could just walk the next 200 yards and something the the elk of your lifetime or the experience of your lifetime could happen. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's keeping that positive attitude of just around the corner, things would change. Mm.
1: So much easier said than done. It really
0: (laughs) is, man. I'm not kidding you. It really Um, is. There's so many things. I've
1: I've been there raining sideways last day of the season, hiked your butt off all season, not seen anything. And, You know, it's that decision. Well, it's noon. Do I head out and, you know, just go get warm or do I hunt those last four, five, six hours? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that defines a person. I really do. I think that I think that when you get into that kind of a mode, I think it's just like even when you do stay and don't see anything for the rest of the day, at least you can look back on that and say, Hey, I gave it 110. I gave it my all that I knew how to do at the time. And then from that, you build knowledge on top of that. What am I going to do next year? A little bit different, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. So being a a production crew that makes films in the back, the back country or just in the outdoors, I would assume that you take a lot of battery operated equipment with you. Correct. Uh, How do you, how do you currently keep those battery operated devices charged and what happens if one of them goes dead?
0: So we have some rules in our, in our hunting. Like if it's not filmed, you can't shoot it. You don't pull the trigger if you don't have a camera on it. So we have these guidelines laid down for, for reasons of, You know, to keep us accountable, too, because it'd be easiest just to throw the cameras and just say, hey, let's go hunting. That would be really easy. But we want to show and document and try to teach people, you know, as much as we can or have people learn from our mistakes. Right. So we use uh, anchors, they're called. It's just a big battery pack and uh, we each carry one on us the camera guy sometimes carries two depending on how long that we're going to be as far as in the backcountry it depends on how long that we're going to stay back there so usually our hunts we used to do longer hunts we used to do stuff that was like broke into that seven to nine days even sometimes and now it's if we're going to go in five days being max so if we haven't found the elk or it's not as good as we think it should be within three days, we bail. We're out of there. We're leaving. We're going to a new spot. So that kind of condensed our packs down and our weight down just a little bit too. Because after one day in the backcountry, the only thing that's going to add weight is your food. That's it obviously batteries and you know camera stuff and everything that's a different thing but as far as just your individual weight it's just going to be more days of food you're going to still have your sleeping bag you're going to still have all your amenities that you want back there well that's going to all be there day one so it's just food after that so <clears throat> depending on that we just we just kind of go we, now we do the whole three to five days and um the anchors that we use—they charge our phones because we run all of our GPS on X on our phones. And then when you get service as well, your phone works as you know, as also you can talk on it or text or whatever. So it, that that's a that's a huge thing for us. Um, but other than just camera batteries and phones, we really don't have a lot. Our lights—they're already charged. You know, you already have that that charge there, so you don't have to use that for for evening stuff. So. Yeah, pretty much. That's how we do like the the battery scenario and the and the filming scenario side of it.
1: Have you ever had an instance where you were ready to take an animal and cameras weren't there, batteries were dead, or something like that happened, yeah. and you weren't able to? Yep. What yeah. Just, led up to that.
0: It was. It was tough. It was. Uh, it, it was honestly the camera wasn't the issue as far as like the the function of the camera that I can think of. I'm sure we've had something like that, but the instance that I'm thinking of is I was filming Trevor. Trevor was at full draw on a bull and I couldn't see him. I could not, I was just to his right and I couldn't see him. And he says, you got him, you got him, you got him. And I'm saying, no, I do not have him. (laughs) I don't have him. And man, it led to a... (laughs) Oh man, Trevor letting down and like, he was, he's like, he's just, dude, he was right there. He was like 15 yards too. He was right there. I mean, what, you know, and these opportunities come up so few and far between, you know, it was just, uh, it it goes back to the whole team thing. You got to really take a deep breath and go, okay guys, let's, uh, let's circle back to zero here and let's start again on this thing. So yeah, that was one of the times. Yes. It's, it's definitely happened.
1: I'm guessing that was over here on the West side. It was, it was, (laughs) it
0: it was, yes. It was a giant Roosevelt too. Um, Yeah. So one of the other things that we do as well, uh, cameras, we can't film and just pouring down rain. It just doesn't, they they do not acclimate well to weather. Uh, Snow, you can do okay with it because it's dry, usually a dry snow where we're at because we're at super high elevations usually. And uh, we can do that, but rain just really, really takes a camera out so we'll just sit underneath a tree and just like stop everything stops or we'll just dive in our tents we'll set up right there until the rain stops and then we'll start hunting again but if we can't film it we usually aren't gonna like push and push and push and try to try to you know gain content because it just doesn't work
1: um what piece of equipment or what would you be willing to give up to not have the issue of rain stopping your filming
0: oh what would i be willing to give up it doesn't happen as much as you would think just because of the times that we we hunt uh for the species as far as elk wise but let's say in a blacktail kind of scenario it happens quite a bit in late season Mm -hmm. blacktail hunting so oh man there's certain times that has been like why why right now um (laughs) Yeah, I would give up my boots at that point. <laughs> you know, whatever it took at that point to make it happen. Fog is another big one too. You know, it just yeah. uh, oh, you yeah. can't see. You, you. I'm sure you've been there. Yeah. So well,
1: I've I found fog to be beneficial. Helps me get a little bit closer sometimes. That is it. That and that's true too. And that in some
0: in some instances it is, but in some instances it really ruins an opportunity. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, so I'm just going to kind of give you a little bit more of an insight onto the solution that I've kind of been envisioning. Um, so basically what it is, it's a micro scale power generator, um, that can harness, uh, energy from either wind or flowing water. Um, so basically my idea is it's going to be made out of composite materials, um, and will be similar to some of the vertical, uh, wind turbines that you've seen where they have long, blades yeah. that kind of, yeah. that twist. Um, and so it'll be something that you would assemble on site. Um, I haven't really gotten too much into the size or the weight or kind of where it would be geared toward. I'm still kind of trying to figure out if it's going to be more backcountry geared or like more of a camping type piece of equipment. Um, but basically, it'll be assembled. You to throw it in a moving river. Um, you can put it on a pole and harness wind power. You can stretch it between a wire on two trees. You could throw it behind your boat. Um, there's just any way that you can get any type of fluid whether it be air or water to run past it it'll be able to generate power Um, the intent is to allow people to either go further or to stay longer in the backcountry while still being able to rely on some of the modern technology that we like to feel safe yeah Um, and I want to do it in a way that the power generator can be assembled, used, disassembled, and removed without any trace. It's not going to affect any streams, rivers, anything like that. I want it to be a zero trace solution. Um, So based off of that, what would unlimited battery life be worth to you in the backcountry? And would it open up any additional opportunities that you don't have right now?
0: Yeah, definitely. No, it would definitely have its function. Um, Just off the top of my head, I am just thinking, like some of the issues that—not issues, but comforts. Right? We mentioned that a little bit ago. Like, okay, what's well, a comfort that you really, really like? And it's, um, you know, like for Cody, uh, a while back, we were trying to figure out how to make a backcountry boot dryer. Something very simple. Every single day, your boots are wet at night, and then you got to put wet boots on in the morning, and and you know that road you go down having wet feet all the time, and you know what I mean. So. Um, they have one actually that runs off of USB actually now. And, um, so I don't know if that's solved, but at the same time, we were thinking of something light of fire with a fan, with a tube that just goes directly into your boots or something of that nature anyway. But, um, but yeah, I, I would, man, it would definitely have its usages. And for me, um, power is not a giant thing for me. But definitely, uh, definitely a comfort How about that. So, mm-hmm. um, and I can think of safety issues too, as far as, you know, headlamps and phone batteries, GPS, that kind of side of things. So um, yeah, yeah, it would definitely have this usage.
1: Awesome. Um, Have you ever seen those, uh, those fans that, like you said, on top of a wood stove, it's like Mm -hmm. a heat sink fan and it just extracts the heat from the, that might be a kind of a cool way to do something like that, where you could sit on a hot rock and have a tube coming out of it and do a boot.
0: Yep. No, we've thought about all these different things and it's, uh. It comes down to weight. It all comes down to weight. That's oh, yeah. why I'm curious, like, with you, with what you're talking about, like, uh, as far as ideas-wise, what what could you get this weight down to? Because there's going to be that that, mo- that that spot, that fine spot in between weight and usage, right? And where do those collide?
1: Yep. And so that kind of brings me into my next question. Um, and so I am actually going to – it's funny that you say uh, anchor – Mm-hmm. I had this pulled up. So I don't know if you can see this on my screen or not. Um, but this is an anchor battery pack. It's a 2,000 milliamp hour battery pack. So it'll charge about six and a half iPhones. Oh, cool. Um, it's 50 bucks and it weighs about three quarters of a pound. Mm-hmm. Um, so based off of that, um, how much would you be willing to spend if that battery pack had unlimited power? Or conversely, how much could that size or weight increase before unlimited battery would no longer be worth the trade-off? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to
0: think. So can I answer that with a, not with a question, I guess, but with a, The thing about the thing about harnessed energy, right. Um, That I don't know much about it. I can't say that I do, but I, one thing I do know is we have e-bikes, right? We have electric Mm -hmm. bikes and which carry a thousand milliamp battery a giant battery with them anyway. But those, I mean, it's a, it's a breeze. It's so much easier to bike. The pedal assist side of things is so, so nice and everything. But the one thing that e-bikes haven't, Come out with yet is something that regenerates their own battery and that so what i've thought about is like why can you not you know take the wheel source or the wind or something of that nature and actually as you go it you know propels it actually adds to the battery and the um, the explanation that i've got from uh the people that we do the e-bikes through you bikes is that the technology is just not there yet to make something as sizable, as small enough to where it can, where it's not something this, this giant, you know, hooks to your back wheel or whatever that you can actually reuse the energy that you're using. So um, yeah, I, 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 I don't know as far as weight wise to have unlimited power, what would that be for what we do? it better be, it better be pretty good. Cause anything that you're going to add that power to is going to also have weight. Right. So mm. it had better be, <laughs> and I'm just <laughs> trying to point. think of, I, 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 you know, I mean, that that's, I'm just trying to think of like, um, futuristic, like super futuristic, like, uh, a pack that molds to your body and, and can, you know, relieve, relieve pain as you go, because it senses the pain and, and where you're, where you're, pains at and your shoulders or weight i just i'm going i'm going a little bit out there on this but i i'm going to just just throw out a i'm going to throw out a figure unlimited power i'm going to throw out a figure of five pounds
1: okay that's that's definitely heavier than i would have given it but yeah that's huh. okay. you got to realize there
0: is times that i will pack uh that I will pack a small bottle of uh, whatever it may be alcohol or something like that, just to have with my, just with my hot cider at night. So I've, I've given Uh up some weight in the past for, for amenities, right. For, for the finer things in (laughs) life.
1: Well, that's actually all the questions that I had um, for you today. Um, I did want to thank you for your feedback. It definitely sure. um, was instrumental to my project. I will definitely use it. Um, but I was just curious if there's any other input that you may have or anything that I missed or suggestions that I hadn't considered yet.
0: Um, no, I guess I, I just I guess it just got my mind sparked as far as like what what kind of product are you thinking and what how how far down this. How far down this rabbit hole are you already, I guess, from concept to to production, I guess?
1: So, basically, I'm just right at the beginning of it. Um, so, uh, like I mentioned earlier, this is more of kind of a business exercise for me. Um, on the engineering side of it, I've got a, a friend of mine that I'm working on a, a project for our, our senior capstone. Um, and we're trying to start a, a a product development company that specializes in both making outdoor gear better, um, revitalizing things that haven't been touched, um, as well as creating new novel solutions. Um, And so we've got a couple of things that we've been working on in the pipeline for that. And this was kind of where that idea came from. So we had done a thought exercise just to each come up with 10 product ideas that don't exist. And this was just kind of one that I came up with. Um, I've been mulling it over in my head the last couple months or so, Um, he wasn't really too sold on it. He didn't really like the idea too much. (laughs) Uh, But (laughs) now that I'm kind of on this business track a little bit as well, this kind of gave me an uh, avenue to explore it on my own. Um, so I haven't really done much research or development or engineering to go along with it. I mean, you know, as an engineering student, I have the base knowledge that needs to go into it and I have an idea of where it would go. Mm Um, But there's a lot of specifics and unknowns as far as like um, material composition and what materials we would use to get the, and I don't want to get too technical here, but to get the correct drag on the um, turbine to create the correct amount of power. Yeah, There's going to need to be a lot of research on, you know, finding that happy medium, like you said earlier about, do we want to provide more meaningful power for larger devices and it not be packable Or do we want to have something that can be packable and, but may only charge, you know, an iPhone in an eight hour period, right? You know, it kind of depends on that, that trade-off and where that happy medium is going to be. And absolutely none of that has been done so far. (laughs) (laughs) I
0: do have, so we do have some solar, some solar banks and stuff that we can pack. Like uh, there's these big solar banks that unfold into big panels that we do pack in, like in our bike trailers for our e-bikes. So you can actually get back in certain places and then use solar. Um, power yeah. to, and they do actually pretty well. Surprisingly, they are pretty heavy, but they go in your trailer. So you're technically, you know, it's not as much, especially with the e-bike side of things. So, um, yeah, I, and I'm sure you've researched all of that kind of stuff, but, um, but yeah, there there's definitely things out there. And then there's these little solar things that we've used to try to charge batteries that we've packed into like Colorado and stuff. And at the end of the day, was it worth it? Eh, I don't know. It got us maybe an extra day, so maybe yeah, it was worth it. But it's just like weight. Poor. What's what's where's that balance at? You know, yeah. Where does yeah. the weight versus versatility where does cross? So
1: absolutely. And the the solar industry it it definitely has a footprint in kind of the space that I'm trying to get into. As far as, you know, power past where the roads end. Okay. Um, but okay. the big thing with solar is they're, they're very, very inefficient. So mm-hmm. with the amount of power that's coming into the actual solar panels, you're only converting about 15%, 15 to 20% of that. Is that what it is? Power. I and I mean, granted that's okay. Cause the sun's never going to run out of energy, at least in our lifetime. And so the efficiency thing, it, it, where it comes into play is the size. So like you mentioned, they fold out and they get pretty big and heavy. Mm -hmm. Um, so with wind and solar, you can actually get a lot closer to that 60, 70% range. Oh, wow. Um, I, I wouldn't expect that for, for this, it'd probably be close to like that 40, 50% of efficiency, but it allows you to kind of make it smaller. Um, and then also with the, the material, selection or or research into different materials we may be able to find some material that can fold really compactly but then extend with some sort of skeleton to become rigid Mm -hmm. and actually provide you know decent power so it's 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 kind of more of a substitute to solar rather than a competitor if that makes sense gotcha
0: yeah no something that would be cool as far as you know especially a selling feature is what you mentioned before, you know, just some kind of a turbine where you can catch wind, you can harness wind, and then you know, say you're camping by a creek, which we try to generally camp within a shot of water, usually. And um, anyway, and you could put that in the creek and have, you know, while you're sleeping at night, harness energy that way would be mm-hmm. would be pretty pretty legit. So yeah, something of that nature would uh, would definitely have its space if it could be done effectively and. In a smaller package, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's going to be the challenge. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think so. I think so. And that technology, I don't think it's, I think it's here. I would assume, I don't know. I guess I have no idea.
1: Yeah. And that's also the other thing that I haven't mentioned is, is the timing is whether it's, this is, you know, more of an idea that I sit on for a while and wait for power generation technology to increase and get smaller, or if this is the right time to jump into that market.
0: Right. Um, And be that, be that
1: innovator. Yeah. So, yeah, other than that, um, I am going to be working on this throughout the rest of the term. And, you know, I hope to carry it on for myself past school or kind of it's become a passion project of mine. Sweet. Uh, but did you want me to keep you up to date? as? Absolutely, I man. I'd love or? it.
0: I'm using that first awesome. prototype. Definitely. Heck yeah.
1: <laughs> Might be a few years out, but I, I like the enthusiasm. <laughs>
0: oh, absolutely, man! Just let me know what you got going on, and if there's something that I can help out with on my end, whether it be on the entrepreneur entrepreneur side or just on the uh, on the trial and error side. Let me know, man. I, I I love this kind of stuff as far as that goes, and and uh, possibly making a better mousetrap. now.
1: Yeah, definitely <laughs> sounds good. Well, I wanted to thank you again for your time, Trent. It's been super valuable to me.
0: Oh, man. Thank you, Nate. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, yeah, I might throw this into a podcast. That's cool of you.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll send you the recording here as soon as I uh, jump off here.